the teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Get your Bible if you brought it and open with me to two references. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter number 5 and then 1 Peter chapter number 3. If you have... Uh, uh, maybe just put your finger in the First Peter account, but we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 5. Gentlemen, I can't quite hear myself enough. Maybe there's something you can do. I don't know. Try it out. <laughs> Look at first, uh, first of all, we're going to start in Ephesians chapter number 5. And we're going to start reading in verse number 21. Ephesians chapter number 5, start reading in verse number 21. You know the context, right before this he had been saying, don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he said in verse number 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. How many of you know that part of living a Spirit-filled life is being a submitted person? Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband's the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. What does he mean by that, spot or wrinkle? He said, but that it should be holy. So he's talking about unclean things or things that are not godly. Uh, spot and wrinkle doesn't mean naturally, but it's talking about spiritual things. That it might be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself or his other self. <laughs> Amen. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, or every one of you in particular, so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence, that would be another word we, we use today, respect her husband. Amen. Praise God. Well, um, over in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, notice verse number 1. Likewise, ye wives. Now, likewise, he had just been talking about government authorities and even how Jesus responded in front of government authorities. And we don't have time to get into that. But he said, likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Conversation is an old English word for lifestyle. Amen. While they behold your chaste conversation, that means lifestyle, coupled with fear. That means respect. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair, wearing of gold, putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. You know, sometimes people read that and say it's wrong for women to dress up or look nice or put jewelry on or fix up their hair or put makeup on. Well, I mean, you got you to take the whole counsel of God's Word. He didn't say, he wasn't saying don't do that. I mean, if it's wrong for a lady to put up, put a dress up, and then we're wrong. Us guys are for wearing ties or anything else, you know. People are always picking on the ladies. <laughs> Amen. No, what's he saying? Read it. Read it. Read it like you have a brain. <laughs> Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning, plaiting of hair, wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel. See, if he's saying that we're not supposed to uh, uh, do any of that, then the ladies shouldn't have clothes on. 
I'm not trying to be funny. That's what he said. Don't let it be their putting on of their apparel. Well, we all know better than that. So he's not talking about that. Besides that, you see places in the Bible where, you know, they, they, uh, God told them to dress up, look nice. Now let's keep on reading. But, here's the issue, let it be the hidden man of the heart, that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. <laughs> Amen. So the point is, he's saying, don't just, do, don't just emphasize the outward and don't do anything with the inward. Now, this is a doctrine in the New Testament that's said in other ways, and it's said about men and women. It's over in Ephesians, it said, put on the new man. Put on the new man. Well, who is that new man? It's who we are in Christ. It's the new creation. The part of us that's born again, that has the love of God shed abroad in our heart, has the peace of God, the, the joy of the Lord that is our strength. All those things are in our new man. That's the part we're supposed to put that on the outward man. In other words, that's the issue that he's talking about. He's not talking about don't dress up or look nice. I find the more my mind gets renewed, the better I start to look. Now, y'all have to admit it, I'm pretty good looking this morning. You just... <laughs> God encourage myself in the Lord. <laughs> anyway, but the point is that we, we must not emphasize the outward man and don't do anything about putting the inward man on the outward man. I don't know if you've ever met people that, you know, at, at a distance you thought, they look nice, and then you get close to them and they got an old mean, bitter, hard-hearted spirit, unforgiveness or something, you know, criticalness about them, and yeah, you just don't want to be around them because, see, they were putting on wrong things. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about put on the new man, the, the nature of God. Can you say amen? amen. So let's, with, with, uh, let's keep on reading there. Let it be the hidden man of the heart. Just like uh, a person might adorn themselves on the outward man with a piece of jewelry or something, or, you know, something to look nice, uh, clothes or something that looks nice, then uh, that's what we're supposed to do with the inward man. Put the inward man on the outward man. Amen. amen. This is a key to life being transformed. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, let's keep on reading. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner of, in old time, the holy women also trusted, who trusted in God adorned themselves, uh, them, uh, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with your wives, you might say, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Not talking about spiritually weaker or emotionally weaker or physically or mentally weaker or anything like that. He's talking about weaker vessel. Vessel. Everybody say vessel. First, uh, First Thessalonians 4, 4 makes it plain. The vessel is our body. And women, generally speaking, are weaker. At least from the hips up. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Some of you wouldn't laugh. You're going to need to laugh a lot in this series, all right? So <laughs> little sugar joking helps the medicine go down. But, uh, you know, I mean, from the waist up, a lot of women are tougher from the waist down. I mean, number one, giving birth to babies. Number two, you come home and the furniture's moved and you ask, how on earth did my wife get the piano over there? She says, hips, baby, hips, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. All right. Giving honor. Uh, let's start reading verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. One translation says, with an intelligent recognition of the marriage union. I tend to like that. It just does something on the inside. Men are supposed to have a knowledge of marriage. Yeah. 
Amen. Amen. And I want to talk to you about being heirs together for a week or two here. We'll just see how long this goes. Back, back uh, I think a month or two ago, probably two months ago, I said we were going to do some teaching on marriage, and then God has some other things, and I, you know, kind of, we never got to it. But uh, last night, boy, the unction came on me, and I started seeing I needed to preach on this. Praise God. Been getting a lot of calls from a lot of the guys saying, would you preach on this, you know? <laughs> So, guys, uh, you know that powwow we had yesterday when they weren't here? <laughs> no, we're just having fun. No, nobody called. Just, <laughs> it's just important that we regularly get washed in the Word in this area. Hallelujah. One of the reasons that, we've got, that, that God wants us to have good marriages, we read it in Ephesians, is that a good marriage is an example of Jesus and His relationship to the church. And we need to be demonstrating Jesus, you know, to the world. Let them see who Jesus really is. But anyway, he said husbands are to have a, uh, an intelligent recognition of the marriage union. A knowledge of, of things, how God designed marriage to work. So we're going to learn some things. How many of you know it's not enough just to jump into the marriage and say the vows and woohoo, we're married. You know, people prepare more for their driver's test than they do for their marriage, you know. It's just... We got to learn. We got to get knowledge and information. It doesn't happen just because you grew up. You know, and they're old enough now to produce a baby. Well, you might be old enough to do that, but you might not know how a thing in the world about anything else when it comes to marriage. You understand? So give it, it dwell with them according to knowledge. I believe the most, the, the main burden of knowledge, according to this verse, because he's talking to the husbands. Likewise, ye husbands. The main burden of getting knowledge of the marriage union and therefore the main burden uh, uh, on the, uh, on, uh, is on the husband for the success or the failure of the marriage. Uh, the main burden of getting knowledge is on the husband. So therefore the burden of the success or the failure of the marriage depends on the husband. Amen more than it does the wife. Because he said, here, you husbands get some understanding of the marriage union. Well, we know all of us, husbands and wives, or even single. We ought to get ready for marriage ahead of time, you know. We ought to have knowledge of God's Word concerning uh, marriage, how to make it work. Amen. I get more interested the older I get. Uh, not old yet, <laughs> but uh, the older I get, I get more interested in understanding human relationships and how to relate to other people. You know, we have all different sorts of relationships. We have employers or employees, so we got to learn how the Bible teaches us to relate to those, depending on our situation. Our spouse, our, you know, we got our children. We've got uh, a government. We've got, you know, police force. We're just, you know, down at the school, the teachers and the coaches, and there's all these relationships. How does the Bible tell us to relate to one another? Well, the big commandment in the New Testament, the overarching, all-encompassing commandment is the, what the, Jesus called the law of love. Amen. A new commandment, Jesus said, I give unto you that you love one another. Amen. Well, there's different expressions depending on who it is we're relating to and what our relationship is to that person depends how we express that love. Amen. You know, you might express that love to your children different than you express it to your boss. Because your boss has certain things he's asking of you. Your children shouldn't be asking of you anything. I mean, they have some rights. I don't mean they don't have some rights. They have some rights to be taken care of. You know, you brought them into this world. <laughs> I don't mean that, but I mean, they're not in charge in your house is what I'm saying. Amen. 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 You're the parent, not the butler. Amen. 
act like the parent. I said that one day, and Joyce and Barry Butler said, at the, our house, we're the parent and the butler. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> they knew what I meant. <laughs> so he said there, um, get knowledge, husbands and wives both, but especially the husband. Seems like the husbands are the ones the wives are always dragging into the marriage counseling. You know, got him by the hair. Come on, we got to learn something here. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Praise God. So the greatest burden of knowledge rests on the husband. If he doesn't do his part, the wife was created to respond. Amen. Now, that's scriptural. You know, the Bible says, I think it's 1 John 4, 19, I believe, or, or 4, 18, somewhere right in there. The Bible says, we love him, Jesus, because he first loved us. We didn't initiate this redemption plan that, you know, that, that we're in and we got the benefits of. Jesus, God, they initiated this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He took the lead. He took the, 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 the you know, he became the one setting the example. He didn't wait for us to become lovely. Bible said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. We, were, we had a nature that was in opposition to him, that was an, an antagonistic to him. Amen. It was enmity with him. And yet he did something about it whenever there was nothing to love. You know, all of us. I'm not just talking about one or two of us that were really, really bad. All of us. We had that nature of the devil. I know you don't think you did, but we know you did. <laughs> Amen. So we, we, were, we were not the ones that initiated this this redemption that we're in, Jesus and God, they planned it and Jesus executed it and it came to pass and we love him, 1 John 1's, uh, 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 I think it's, where is it now? Fourth chapter. We love him because he first loved us. In other words, we respond to his love. Well, in the marriage union, Christ is the example that the husband is to follow and uh, the church is the example that the, the wife is to follow. Isn't that right? So the husband is the one that's responsible to take the lead if things aren't going right. Sure wish I had a friend in here. The husband is the one to take the lead. That means he should be some, he should learn about the marriage union. I mean, thank God for what he does, you know, on his job and everything, but he should be reading books about the Word of God. There's some good ones. We got some in the bookstore right here's one of the best ones right here. This, in fact, let me rephrase that. This is the best one right here. But see, we, we need to take time and meditate in those scriptures because you can read past them and say, yes, amen. Like, for example, the man might read past Ephesians and says, the husband is the head of the wife. And that's right. Bless God. I'm the head of this house and you're going to do as I say. Well, if your wife comes counseling with us, I'm going to tell her, run. You big meanie, you. Amen. Why am I standing over here when I talk like this? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. No, we got, to, we got to learn. That's not what that verse said. As, as, go back there. Go back there. Hello. You need to see it. You just keep your finger or one finger in the opposite verse. If we go to one of these, we're going to be back and forth quite a bit. Notice he said, verse number... 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. 
Now notice that. Husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. It's Jesus up in heaven saying, well, bless God, I'm the head of the church. You're going to do as I say. And if you don't, there's hell to pay. Is that the way he is? You know what drew all of us to him was his love. That's what drew me. I, get, I still get overwhelmed sometimes. Like, oh my goodness. Here I am beating up on myself. And he's like, I'm not taking it as hard as you are. <laughs> you know, what you did, I'm not taking it as hard as you are. I just get amazed. But um, so here's the example. Christ is the example of the husband being the head. Now, uh, notice it says there, because men oftentimes they'll say, well, I'm the head of the house. You know, people actually have, have to read that closely because that's not what that said. It says the husband is the head of the, the house? Huh? No, no, no. It's the, he's the head of the, the wife. That means the marriage union. He's the leading one in that marriage union. Now, to be honest with you, in Christ, in, in Christ, there's neither male nor female. So don't get off on this, the men are the head of the women thing. No woman should be up here teaching and preaching. Well, that's what the Bible said. Well, you ought to read it closer than that. It said that the wife, the, the wife is, is not to be that way to her husband. It's not talking about just women in general in the public church services. Amen. Besides that, what about Ananias and Sapphira who, who instructed Apollos? Sapphira, now you need to obey Paul's teaching here. Well, Paul, Paul knew them closely and didn't seem like Sapphira thought that. All you women should have said, amen, real loud. <laughs> Besides, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You, know, you need to ask, you, you need to, uh, you need to, if you think that, you ought to instruct God about his error in calling some of the ladies who have that driving call to preach the gospel on the inside of them. You need to correct God for putting that on the inside of them. <laughs> Amen. Some of you like it. Some of you are grunting. Well, we'll get that out of you if you'll hang around. Amen. No, our love the, the, and the wife's love toward her husband or her respect or her, even her submission to her husband is the result of what he does that ministers and nourishes and cherishes and loves her. Amen. And is looking out for her well-being. He has the heart of Jesus in this relationship. He's not the head like the, you know, we, 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 we say head and the Bible says head, but a lot of times people hear privilege rather than responsibility in that. It's not an a, a issue of privilege, it's an issue of responsibility. Basically, if you understand this correctly, and we'll take a lot more time to get into it, but uh, God's uh, not expecting a woman to submit to some ungodly demands of some, some male chauvinist or whoever, you know. Yeah, amen. amen. She, he's not expecting that. Right. Notice, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, verse 22 says. Not as unto a tyrant, a dictator, who has everybody shaking in fear whenever he walks in the room. Kids and wife having a nervous breakdown. They ought to get away so they can get healthy again. I'm talking about getting away from that kind of thing. Praise the Lord. Some of you aren't liking it, but we'll just keep on preaching it. 
<clears throat> Praise the Lord. You heard about the old tyrant that walked into his house. He heard that verse right there. Uh, he walked into his house and said, now that's it. The Bible says that, that I'm the head of the house, which it doesn't. Actually, if you read closely over in, uh, what is it, 1 Timothy, I don't remember the verse, uh, but I could find it for you real quick. It says that the wife is to, let's go over there. Hold your finger in Ephesians. I just want you to see this. Amen. Look at, uh, uh, let's see here, 1 Timothy chapter number 5 and verse number 14. I will, I will therefore, Paul's writing, by the Spirit of God, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Bear children, guide the house, so forth and so on. Now, notice that word guide. That's the Greek word despot. It means king or ruler. In other words, she's the king in the house. She's the ruler in the house. The husband's the head of the marriage, but the wife's the head of the house. In other words, you wives, you're... Uh, you're, the way you take care of the house, the way things look around the house, reflects on your husband. The kind of atmosphere you make, you make the children, you know, don't be, uh, you know, creating an atmosphere of strife and so forth. It doesn't mean the husband doesn't have anything to do with that, but, but there's some things that he has responsibilities in and some things the lady has responsibilities in. Anyway, sometimes guys get off on that and they kind of... They, they want to be the, you know, the head of the house. You know, I'm the head of the house. And it's a wrong spirit. It's anger. You know, it's tyrant. It's not the spirit of Jesus. Jesus was a servant leader, not a dictator leader. He was a servant leader. There's different kinds of leadership, you know. But like I was getting ready to say, you heard about the man who came in and said, that's it, I'm the head of the house. I went to church and I heard that the man's the head of the house and I want things done this way. You'll have this done this way and this done by this time. And if it's burnt, then you have to do it over again. I refuse to eat it because I'm the head of the house. Well. After about three days, because he didn't see her for three days. <laughs> After three days, one eye opened a little bit and he could see her just a little bit. <laughs> took some of you a minute to get that one. So in other words, how's that working out for you? How many of you husbands have found out that doesn't work? Well, I got one honest man. <clears throat> See, this is proof I'm hearing from God ministering on this subject. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. The whole laws, all the laws of marriage that govern marriage, if you want to call them laws, you might, a better word might be principles. Not laws like speed limit, you know, but principles. I mean, you'll get in trouble for breaking them, don't misunderstand me, but all of them are based on the law of love. A husband uh, is to take care of his life, I mean his wife, because he loves her, takes care of her. Nourishes and cherishes her. Now, and that has a lot to do with what he said over there in verse 29 here in Ephesians. No man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. The context is that she's flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. So she's just as much him as much as he is. She is his other self. And you ought to be taking care of her just as much as your own flesh. Nourishing, notice that word, nourishing and cherishing. Uh, eventually in this series, we're going to talk about that part because a lot of that has to do with the words that we speak to one another and the tone of our voice and, and how we, we're gentle and sweet with one another rather than demanding, you know. Amen? But anyway, back here to verse number 22, Hus uh, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Notice that verse doesn't, is not talking to the husband, verse 22. I've gone over this, but let's go over it again. 
You've had T-bone steak before, haven't you? If I offered you one today, would you get it? Would you eat it? Well, then let's eat the word again here. Faith comes by hearing, not by heard. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, that verse is not talking to husbands. Notice, he addressed at the beginning of the verse. The very first word tells us who he's talking to. But see, all the husbands want to jump onto that verse and say, that's right, the Bible says you're supposed to submit. She says, well, you're supposed to love me. And so they got that thing going back and forth, and it's been going on for years. You're supposed to submit. Well, you're supposed to love me. You're supposed to treat me nice. Come on, come on. But the problem is, uh, both, both the husband and the wife are in the wrong verse. It starts out there when it's speaking to the wives. He says, wives, submit yourselves. It says nothing about the husband making her submit. Amen. I mean, a man that has to make her submit is very unskilled in wooing her and evoking things up out of her that she doesn't want. Ooh, yeah, ooh. You got to get better at it than that, dude. You know what I'm talking about? I go over here so I won't embarrass anybody. See, if you've got to be a dictator, that's because you're not good at the way the Bible tells you to do it. Hallelujah. You've got something on me on that one. <laughs> My wife looks good this morning. I told her so. But notice he says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now notice verse number 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. And we're going to get to that. But notice verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. Now notice verse 25. Husbands... Who's he talking to? In other words, you wives, just turn out of this verse. Get, turn, turn, turn your ears off. Blah, 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 blah. Right now, you're not listening to this verse. Well, you are, but you, you don't use it like a billy club. And you husbands don't use verse 20, what is it, 22 there? Like a billy club that you're using to pound on her with. Now he said, verse 25, husbands, so this is, he's talking to us guys here. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. He said nothing about the wife hounding him to do that. Isn't that right? Now, he's to love her as Christ loved the church. Now notice up there in verse number 23 here. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Now notice this. He's the savior of the, of the body. Now, we know Jesus is the Savior of the world. He shed His blood for the whole world. Everybody has a right to come through the blood of Jesus and be redeemed or, you know, be, be re and receive what belongs to them and their right standing with God. But here He's not talking about that part of redemption. He's talking about Jesus' ministry to His body here. It calls Him the Savior of the body. That's talking about the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Remember Ephesians talks about back earlier. You don't have to turn there. But in chapter number one, it talks about he is the head of the body, the church. Yes. Chapter number one. The body of Christ is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when he says the body, he's talking about the church. So here he said he's the savior of the whole world. Well, yeah, he is. But this verse is not talking about that part of his ministry. What's Jesus doing at the right hand of the father right now? Well, he's doing a lot of things, but one thing he's doing, only one thing, is that he's the Savior of the body. He's doing something right now. What is that? The Savior of the body. In other words, he's ministering the benefits of salvation 
All that he's provided to her, to the body, in Christ, all those things are, he's ministering those things. He's nourishing her. He's cherishing her. He's washing her. Notice back up there in verse number 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water of the word. He's washing her with the word. That's why a church that is constantly taught and fed the word of God will be a, notice he said, a glorious church. A church where the glory is flowing. <clears throat> Hallelujah. But he's washing her with the water of the word. And what is he washing off? He's washing off things that are binding them, things that are afflicting them, binding up their minds, hurting them, old hurts that are from years past. He's washing out those things. He's restoring their soul. He's ministering. He's nourishing. He's comforting. Oh, glory to God. I thank God for Jesus, Savior of the body ministry. Praise God. Now, uh, here he said he's the Savior of the body. So, what is that telling us? Therefore, verse 24 says, Therefore, therefore, the church is subject unto Christ. Why do we love him? Because of what he does for us. Therefore. Therefore, because he's the Savior of the body, and because, notice what it says there, he gave himself for us. Isn't that good? Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. Praise God. So, wives are to submit to a man who is giving themselves for their wives. And if they will do that, they will be submitting to Jesus himself, who is through her husband. Not, not, I don't mean that her salvation is only through her husband or, or, or through her husband or anything like that. But there are things that if she will respond to her husband correctly, because he's loving her correctly. No woman that has a husband that has the heart of Jesus and has her well-being at heart and, and wants to see her the best God has for her and, and, and loves her, no woman is going to have trouble submitting to that. Unless there's, there's a, you know, that's, that's part of the way it is sometimes and then it's different other times, you know. There has to be a consistency. How many of you know Jesus is consistent with us? But no woman has trouble submitting to that. Any, any, really, women are created to respond to that. Amen. And so, therefore, when she does that, she responds to that, there are things that Jesus wants to minister to her through her husband. I don't mean that she has to go through her husband and be saved. That's stupid. That's, I mean, that's foolishness. I don't mean that. I'm just saying there are blessings that J Jesus will minister to her through her husband that she probably won't get any other way. <clears throat> Amen. Hallelujah. Now, he's the Savior of the body, verse 23 says, Therefore the church is subject unto Christ. As the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, thank God for presents. Wives like presents, and you should be doing that. Amen. 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 Boy, it's awfully weak. I thought I'd hear a lot of amens on that one. <laughs> Hallelujah. You ought to deck her out and treat her real well. Yeah. Put a big rock on her finger. Yeah. Some guy thinks he's going to get her. He sees all oh, how good you're taken care of, and he goes, I may not. <laughs> There's somebody taking good care of her, you know. But anyway, but that's not all that you need to be giving to her. That's my point. Without you giving of yourself, all those things mean nothing. Isn't that right? You ladies, is that right? Now, 
With that in mind, let's think about this a little further. He gave himself. He's the Savior of the body. Therefore, the, 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 the wife responds to that. Jesus is uh, the, the Savior of the body. He gives of himself. And the husband is to be that way toward his wife. Therefore, his wife responds to that. So the husband is the one responsible to take the lead in this. Now, somebody said, well, my husband is not taking the lead. Okay, 1 Peter 3 told you what to do. Go over there again. The Bible has all the answers. When the Bible, I mean, when, uh, yeah, the Bible here, it says, <laughs> it says that uh, the husband is to get knowledge. He's not talking about psychology. He's talking about God's plan, and that's found in the Bible. Now, unless you think I'm against psychology, how many of you know there are some good Christian people that, that counsel people in marriage, and they'll, they'll be bringing it through the Word, you know, and, and so forth. I'm not just against everything that's psychology, but I'm talking about some of those weird things that are out there that are way out of whack with the Bible. You understand the way I say that? Um, so here, if, if, if the husband is not properly relating to the wife, what is the wife supposed to do? Likewise, verse number one in First Peter three, ye wives be subject to your own husbands that if any obey not the word. Well, that's me, pastor. That's what do I need to do? Okay, here it is. That if any obey not the word, they may also by nagging be won by the, huh? Oh, that's what you told me you were doing. I thought you, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, you have to be tough-skinned to come to church here, don't you? <laughs> I'm messing with you. I'd like to have fun. If you're a visitor, I'd just like to have a good time. And sometimes at other people's expense, you know. But anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. Likewise, if the, if the man is not obeying the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation. That's the lifestyle of, of the wife. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. That means reverence or respect. Now, notice over there, uh, first of all, well, there's so much here. Boy, oh boy, it's going to take a few services to get this all out. But he said in verse number one that they, if they obey not the word, they may without the word. Many translations say without a word. In other words, without the, what he's referring to here is the wife not being a nag. Yeah. Now, that term is used to describe somebody who's always trying to change their husband, you know. And husbands have their deals, too, so don't get, well, he's talking about this, and I got offended because, well, I'll get to your spouse, you know, just hold on. Um, but so he's talking about, you know, just bugging somebody and trying to get them to change. Well, this verse, and you know from experience that doesn't work, and this verse told us ahead of time that that won't work. Amen. Amen. He said, without a word and without the word. In other words, he's saying, don't go to your husband, especially if he's not saved. Say, well, the Bible says you're supposed to do this. That's going to push him further away. You ever told, had somebody tell you you had to do something that just made you want to not do it? <laughs> There's something in our fleshly nature, you know. Don't tell me I have to do anything. Well, God's telling us there's certain ways to, to woo somebody. Now, real quickly, let's notice what he says, that they may be one, that they also may, without the word, be one. The, the, the word win has the idea of winning over, not coercion, not forcing, not making threats. 
Now, you might have to do some things to protect yourself, but you don't have to make threats about it. There's a whole lot to this. We'll get into it. Praise the Lord. Now, here's what he said, that they may be one. Now, notice, go back to Ephesians. I'm, like I said, keep your finger in each one of these because we're going back and forth. When it comes to the husband, notice how he said he's to respond or how, how he's to love his wife and nourish and cherish her and so forth. Verse number 25, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water, water of the word. Now notice verse 27, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. Now this is a type of the husband. I mean, excuse me, the husband is a type of, of Christ. This is the way we're supposed to reflect the way Jesus is to the church. How does Jesus woo us to him? He doesn't coerce. He, he sanctifies and washes us and loves us, nourishes and cherishes us, that he might present, him, present us to him. The word present in the Greek means to bring near or bring up, up besides. It's not a coercion. You understand that? It's not a forceful thing. Love never forces somebody to do anything. Well, you have to do it because the Bible said it. Well, they're responsible to do the Word all right, but you preaching to them a lot of times is you trying to coerce somebody. You know? Well, I understand people can change, but maybe we ought to, we ought to examine things before we jump into marriage so quick. You need to see your potential spouse in a lot of different settings and situations before you know what's really on the inside of them. As a general rule, I don't encourage people to get married real quick. Amen. Because you got to know if he's a coercer. Now, I understand people can change. I understand they can put on their best side and, you know. But you ought to know the Holy Ghost, know, know what, what's really going on, you know. Amen. But so here, love never forces. It never coerces. Devils force and demons coerce. Isn't that right? They drive people. God will never make you do anything you don't want to do. And we as human beings aren't called to make somebody do the Word. Now, we'll share the Word, you know, give people the opportunity to believe it. But we don't violate their own will. God Himself doesn't violate their own will. If they don't want to act on the Word of God, if they don't want to be a doer of it, well, then we're not called to force them. Now, we might, in, in a submissive, gentle heart, share with them what this is doing to our relationship, but not in a dictatorial, you got to change or else, you know, I'm out of here, threatening them. Yeah, you, you just say, you know, this is really affecting us and it's, it's just not working this way, you know, but you're not trying to force them. Amen. You don't, God doesn't even force people. The Spirit leads, guides, He'll nudge, He'll urge people on, but He'll never force people. Praise God. Isn't that good about God? See, people have a lot of ideas about why, why not everybody's going to be saved. Well, because God doesn't force everybody. If they want to serve the devil, then okay, you can live with him for the rest of your life. Well, he wouldn't send anybody to hell. No, their choice sent them to hell. Amen. So the Spirit leads and guides. Amen. It's demons or people yielding to demons that uh, force or seek to force and, and push people. Now, let me say this. Um, sometimes people seek to force or push or manipulate through anger fits. What that is, is, is you attempting to manipulate or control a person 
because now they're afraid you're going to get mad. You know what I'm talking about? Anger is manipulation. Well, I can't help myself. Well, I, I, if, if we brought up a, you're, you're, you're 200 pounds and you're 5'9". If we had a 6'4", 350 pounder in the back alley, calling your mama names and calling you names, you could help yourself there. It's just when your wife's, you know, 5'2 and 125 pounds, you can't control yourself. Hallelujah. Got more amens last week, I think. No, you can help it. The Bible says you can control that. Uh, now, manipulation, anger is a manipulation tactic to seek to control somebody through fear. And if you're a person, man or a woman, this can be on either side. If you're a person that throws anger fits to manipulate them, the Bible says you are not walking in love with them. Because love doesn't force, manipulate, or control. Love seeks to woo somebody over, to win them over, to bring them beside you because they want to. They're responding to something that they want. Amen? So, praise God. That was all free. So it means to bring near and to bring besides. Now back here, wives, back in 1 Peter 3, 1. Uh, subject, subject, uh, be subject to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also be without the word, won by the conversation of the wife. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with reverence or respect. Now, notice that they may be won without a word, without the word. Or it could be a couple of things without you preaching to them or trying to tell them what they're supposed to do. That is... A lot of times, husbands or wives are, number one, they're, they're violating this verse here in two ways. Number one, they're trying to correct their spouse with, with you, know, you know, always nagging them. Number two, they're not speaking the word in faith to God over them whenever they're by themselves. They're in prayer, my old husband, God, they're this, they're doing that wrong, they're doing that wrong, whenever the Bible says you're to wash them with the water of the Word. Amen. Isn't that how Jesus brought us to Himself? Yes. He didn't point out all our faults. Huh, haven't thought about that. Some of you haven't thought about that. How many of you know when somebody's always pointing out your faults, it's a tendency to want to go another direction, you know? Yeah, there might be time for some of that, but there's a, there just needs to be a lot of balancing of that of, with love and appreciation, nourishing and cherishing. You've heard people talk about the, the, the putting things in their bank. If you're going to, you know, address something that needs to be addressed, you have a lot, of, a lot of things already deposited in there that lets them know you love them. Amen. 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 You're not against them. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So, all right, with that in mind, think about this. First Peter says it, and really Ephesians says it, that... Uh, Actually, go back to Ephesians. Let's look at it back there. He says that we are the, the, the wife, actually, to be honest with you, verse 22 says, wives submit yourselves. But verse 21 says, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Yeah. In a relationship, really, there's a submission to, a marriage relationship, a submission to one another that must be present for it really to work correctly. Amen. There are times I've submitted to my wife. Amen. Once. No, I'm kidding. Just <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll tell you a time that it paid off big time. There's other times, but I can tell you one that paid off big time for me to submit to her. 
I was down, and, and well, God wouldn't have me submit to my wife, would he? Well, would he? God told Abraham in Genesis 21, I believe it's 9 through 12, because Sarah wanted to have Hagar and her son leave, kick him out. God told Abraham, do what she said. Listen to her. Hagar, I mean, uh, Sarah was hearing from God. Just because you're the head of the union doesn't mean your wife won't hear from God. You have to understand, this is, this is what, what submission is, is really it is God showing us whenever it comes to more than one person working together in some situation. Submission is just somebody has to take the lead in that corporate effort of, of some sort. Somebody has to take the lead. Submission does not mean lesser than, or it does not mean uh, not equal. You know, in Christ, man and woman are equal heirs together. That's what he said in, in 1 Peter 3. He said, heirs together. You husbands, remember, she's an heir together with you. She's on an equal plane with you. Before God, there's no male nor female. But when it comes to this marriage union, if the two can't agree, then the husband takes the lead on what to do, but he does it with the best interest of his wife at heart, trying to decide what's best for her, what's best for the whole family. Not just what's best for me. Well, what's best for me is I want a hunting truck. That's what's best for me. So I'll spend the money the way I want to. I'm the head of the house. Well, did you think about how your wife needs a new pair of shoes and needs... Did you think about that? <laughs> Where we'd leave it right after this. You understand what I'm talking about? So there has to be, when it comes to corporate effort, more than one person working together, there has to be someone taking the lead in that. Anything with more than one head is a freak. Amen. Hallelujah. There has to be somebody designated to, to take the lead in that. But they're, they're not just interested in themselves. They're interested in the, in the well-being of the union. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, just because the man has that place and the, the wife is called to respond to that whenever he makes that decision with her best interest at heart, doesn't mean that there is a difference of equality. They are equal in the eyes of God, just not equal in authority within that union. Now, what is she submitting to? She is submitting to her husband who is a reflection of Christ. Go over to 1 Corinthians. My, my, my. I've got so much going on here. There's like five different things I've got to finish here before we run out of time. Quickly we are. Look at 1 Corinthians 11 here. My, this is good. What it says here in verse, uh, well, really the first seven or eight verses, there's a whole lot of truth here, but let me just jump into verse number seven for time's sake. For the man indeed ought, to, ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the, of the man. Amen. Now notice the woman is the glory of the man, not uh, women in general. He's talking about the husband and wife relationship here. And that's where people get off. They say the, the wife ought not, or the, a woman shouldn't teach in church. It's talking about a wife, not just women in general. Now, and there's a whole lot more to that, which we don't have time to get into. But notice he said, the, 
the uh, husband or the man is the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Here's what the living trans, uh, the, the 20th century New Testament says. The woman is the reflection of man's glory. What does that mean? The woman is the reflection of man's glory. Well, the man is to reflect the glory of God to his wife. What does glory mean? Goodness, Amen. kindness, all his favor and blessing on us. Amen. The man is to reflect that to his wife, and the wife is a reflection of the goodness of God through her husband. Amen. You know, when a wife comes in here and she's all nervous when her husband's around, that's a reflection on him, right. a bad reflection on him. It shows that he's not treating her right. I've had, I remember one time a man came to healing school, wanted to be healed, and they were talking to him. Really, the man was talking to me. I mean, excuse me, the, uh, I forget now if it was the man or the woman was talking to us, but one of them was talking to us. The woman was talking to us first. But, uh, and then I said, is that your husband back here? Because he was waiting. Because uh, she was saying he wasn't receiving healing, and I, I just had it in my heart to have that man come up here. I thought it was her husband. He's waiting. I said, come on up here, sir. He came up. And so she's continued to tell the details about his condition, and that's what she was talking to me about, why he hadn't received his healing. Well, she told some details wrong, apparently. I'm talking about just, you know, the length of time. Rather than, say, three months, it was seven months. Yeah. And she said something wrong like that. And he jumped on her and told her off, basically, and told her, why well, she can never get anything right. And when I looked at, when he did that, I looked in the woman's eyes. I wanted to see what's going on. Because you, the eyes are the window to the soul, you know. That's why some people in church, they won't look at you. <laughs> but anyway. So I looked in her eyes, and in, that, in her eyes was fear. Here it comes again. Shock the preacher. You know, all of that. <laughs> Amen. And so uh, I knew this isn't the first th time this had happened. So right there was the answer why he hasn't received his healing. But his wife's response to that was a reflection of his meanness, his bulliness, his really, you wouldn't treat a friend even that way. Here's your favor. The he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. Here's your favor and you're treating your favor that way. You men don't run your favor off. You got favor with her. I'm getting convicted myself. Praise the Lord. I should stop. I'm getting under conviction here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Those aren't sweet words. Those aren't words that, well, those words reflect, I mean, uh, the look in her eyes reflect that he hadn't been treating her right. That's a reflection of his glory, which did not exist. <laughs> there was no glory in it. There was just meanness in it. Can you say amen to that? Well, with that in mind now, back here to uh, the book of Ephesians, notice what it says there. Let's go back there. We were looking at something. That the wife is wooed by him loving her. Hallelujah. And that really what he is to do is to evoke. Evoke. Everybody say evoke an expression and a response because of His goodness. And whenever we see the wrong response of a wife, we see He's not been treating her right. Well, she's not submitting to me. Well, what's she supposed to submit to? That old mean attitude you've been having? Maybe she doesn't have anything to submit to yet. 
Now notice, here's what I wanted to see. Here in Ephesians, he says, Wives, verse 22, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. For as the husband is the head, so forth and so on. Submit yourselves. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, verse 24 says. Now, submit does not always, listen to me carefully. We'll wrap this up. Submit does not always equal obey. I said submit does not always equal obey. How many of you know, like for example, there's a verse, remember Isaiah 119, if you be willing and obedient, you eat to go to the land. The Bible says about Jesus, this is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Well, the whole context there, but especially verse 8. It talks about Jesus, that, that, that we're to have this heart in us that he had in himself. Though he was God, he was equal to God, yet he humbled himself and became obedient even unto death. Notice those two terms. He humbled himself, number one, and became obedient, number two. Submission is the heart attitude. The obedience is the actions. You, as, as a wife, and even as a husband, there's submission both ways here sometimes. Now, I'll finish this up about my wife. I told you about a situation I submitted to her. Um, there are times whenever a wife might not be able to go along with what her husband's asking her to do. But that doesn't mean she's to have an old, mean, controlling spirit about it. How many of you know a person can, a person can be submissive in their attitude... And, and, and respectful in their attitude, but not go along with what somebody's asking them to do. Isn't that right? I've heard silly things sometimes. Men have asked their wives to do because they were trying, they were, their wife wanted to serve God and the men, you know, wanted her to go down to the bar with him and, you know, mess around with other men. That's just crazy. Some men, I don't get it. I don't, somebody messing around with my wife, my wife messing around with somebody else, you know. Some men are nuts. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just having fun. You know I love you. <laughs> That's part of sitting on the front row. You get picked on. But um, there's, a, there's a, a, a right attitude to do things with. There might be times that a spouse, sometimes this happens for wives more than husbands, but it could be either way, that a spouse has to say, honey, you know, I love you, I respect you, you're my husband, or whichever way it goes here. Uh, and, and, you know, I want to be a blessing to you, but what you're asking me to do here goes against my conscience and my, my Lord's direction to me and the Word of God. Now, I, I'm not telling you what to, to do to change. I'm just telling you, I, I just want to be respectfully, uh, I just want to tell you respectfully, I won't be able to do that. Because sometimes man will, I demand that you stop going to church or else, you know, I'm going to divorce you. Well, <laughs> you don't say everything you think, but my first thought whenever a wife comes and says that, my husband said that, is, man, you, you're, you're a poor husband. Of course, sometimes you're not even saved and you can't expect more than that. Amen? Amen? But it goes two ways sometimes. Praise God. There's times to submit to your spouse, whether it's your wife or your husband. Amen. And there's a lot more to that than we have time to get into today. But you can submit and not obey, and you can obey and not submit. Either way. You're not expected to follow ungodly demands. Amen? Praise God. Now, submission doesn't mean, because of a, because of a lot of, Feminist ideas, people have this idea, submission means that a woman 
she just has to accept male dominance. And you even mentioned the word submit and people, you know, they jump. But um, most of the time, whenever the Bible is talking about submission, when it comes to the husband and wife relationship particularly, um, submission is not to be heard whenever we say, we're, when the Bible says we're supposed to submit, we're not to hear, we're to accept an inferior status. We're not to hear that we're less significant or less intelligent or less capable or that we're to give up our own uniqueness or our own life in any way. Amen. And just swallow up everything her husband wants to do and not have any desires. I've known of men that, I'm thinking of one man right now, this, this, his wife has wanted to take a particular trip for years and years and years and years. And this particular man has taken two major trips to other countries and spent like $25,000 or more on hunting trips. But he won't take his wife on a little cruise that she wants to go on, you know. Wouldn't cost near that much. Well, see, that's not walking in love. Y'all there? She has unique likes. She has things she wants to see in her retirement years just like you do. Amen. That's good preaching whether you're amening or not. So it doesn't mean that you give up your own uniqueness or your own who you are or say that you're less significant and you just bow to everything the other person wants to do. That's not what submission is all about. Amen. There's more we'll have to get into on that. But let me tell you the example. I want to finish up with this example, how the Lord blessed me by submitting to my wife one time. When we first got here, I think for two years, was it two years or three years, we lived in that rental house. I think it was maybe two or three years. We were, you know, we, we, you know this, some of you know the story. We came here real fast. The transition was real fast. And so <clears throat> I didn't know the area. didn't know where I wanted to live. Didn't know, you know, what the house market was like and whether I was getting a good deal on that property or not. So we just, okay, let's just rent and, she told me, because uh, I had to run up here and, and uh, look for something, she told me, well, just find something. I'll go along with whatever. You know, I was trying to keep her informed, but, you know, so she just kind of turned that over to me. So anyway, we lived there. And I, I know it wasn't the best she liked or anything. really wasn't what I liked. But, boy, we were just glad to be in the will of God. Woo-hoo, get us in the will of God. And so we enjoyed that uh, just because uh, we're thankful to be in the will of God. But eventually, I was praying one day, and I, actually, I was driving away from the house. I was on the, if I remember, I was on the cell phone talking to somebody, and I said something about somebody meet us at our house or something like that. Hung up the phone, and I heard the Holy Ghost on the inside say, stop calling this your house. Now, you know, it was a rental. We didn't own it, but, you know, we, you know how you call things yours when it's just you live there and what, how you called it. We, we kept calling our house. And the Lord said, stop calling this your house. I can remember the square, square foot of pavement I was on when I was driving whenever the Lord said that. I was like, ooh, I heard, I know what that means. Jesus, the Savior of the body, is doing something for his part of his body. Someone he loves. I knew he's taking, he had something for us. I knew that. So I, I told her, and so we stopped calling that. We started saying, God's got a house for us somewhere, our house, somewhere else. So we started looking. And I'll never forget, we drove into the development we currently live at right now. And we were, actually, we had, I told some of you the story that, that in Tulsa, we kind of stretched ourselves almost too far. And I didn't want to do that on our next house. So we drove into the development. The development was really nice. But I just, on the inside, and I had the peace of God on the inside. But I just, in my mind, I thought, no, that's beyond where I want to live. I just would rather not stretch like that. Well, I tell you, though, when the Holy Ghost is in it, it's not. Yeah. 
It's, actually, it's been the easiest thing we've ever done. I have not had one month ever that I've had even the thought cross my mind, where are you going to get the money for, rent or for the payment, mortgage payment this month? Just hadn't even, it's been the furthest thing from my mind. It's been real easy. But anyway, uh, we talked about it, and she had the same piece. But I just, uh, you know, let's keep on looking. You know, I'm getting in my head. We've got to follow, figure everything out here. <laughs> so I'm looking, and we're looking. And I don't know, what was it, six months went by, maybe. Something like that. We, we were looking around. We had another place. We put an offer in on it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just, just wasn't quite up to par, but it was, it was pretty close. And that offer fell through. Somebody else bought it. To make a long story even longer. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. And so we went down. I know you went down there again to look in that development. I don't think I was with you that next time. At least the first time you went back down. Because we're not finding what we're looking for. Well, that's because we had already found it the first trip. But we weren't, I wasn't, I should say, wasn't open to it. Well, we're driving around. Finally, she went down there again. She said, I'm going down to look at that development. So she went down and she came back and she said, this is one house I want you to look at. So I went down there. She's, she's taking the lead on this thing, you know. I'm in agreement that God has something for us, but I just didn't know that that was where it was. I mean, I didn't want it to be there. I didn't want to stretch ourselves, I thought. Here's the story. She went in and she saw this house. And I like the one across the street. And she kept saying, oh, look at this one. I'm, I'm going, over oh, here's this. Look at this one here. And she said, look at this one here. And I'm like, eh. you know, we're doing that thing. And I mean, we weren't fussing, but it was just one of those. I like this one and she liked that one. Finally, I walked. She said, just look in here. And we walked in and it was nice. She said, look how this one's set up to where all the bedrooms don't have the trees and, you know, the windows in the back where you can see the trees in the morning. And this one has the windows where we can get up and see the trees, you know. She started talking to me. And the more she talked, the more I liked it. I started realizing, well, she knows what she likes better than I even know what I like. <laughs> She's, she had, she had, was thinking this thing through. Anyway, and several other things about it. Anyway, so finally we went, we got an agreement. We said, all right, let's go for it. And we bought the house. Well, what I didn't know, I knew it was a good deal. Because other houses around there were priced a whole lot higher. But um, I didn't know how good a deal it was. They, they, that was in October. We closed in October of that year. December, uh, well, after the first of the year, over in January, well, I'm out in the yard one day. It must have been warmer, I guess. I don't remember what was going on. But I'm out there just doing something, tinkering around. I like to get outside. And uh, the builder of the house, because it was a brand new house, the builder came driving by and he said, well, he stopped and he said, how's it going? Everything going well in the house? Oh, yeah, loving it. Wonderful. He said, uh, you know, I was just doing my taxes and I'm working up how much I made on each of the properties I built this year. Yeah. He said, um, and you know, I didn't make any money on that house. I, he's a Christian now. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> we were kind of, you know, we kind of developed a friendship, you know, because we finished the house with him. We knew him through the, you know, the finishing of the floors and picking colors and carpet and all that. We got to know a good Christian couple. And I said, I was just messing with him. I said, praise the Lord. That man, I got it. Amen. He said, yeah. I said, I don't know what we did. We made a mistake on the price of that house. I said, well, God's good. Isn't he good? Isn't he good? <laughs> <laughs> and because of submitting to her and going along with her, the day I signed on the line, I was $50,000 richer than the day before. Because that was the equity we, we had in that house. Woo, glory to God. After finishing the basement and everything, it's just probably a little higher than that. The market hasn't gone up much lately, but you know. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, I'm just thankful. I think I'm going to take her to dinner this afternoon again just because she blessed me. <laughs> Did you get anything out of this? 
I had the leading. She wasn't going against the leading to buy a house. We were in agreement about it, but I just followed her lead to which one it was and where it was, and God led her right to it. After, after we started talking about it, I realized, my, this is a pretty good price here. And they put in a side, exit out the basement. You know, if you have exit out the basement, it makes it worth more. They spent, they charged us 2000 for that, and it made it 12000 more worth, worth 12000 more. Just kept on doing things for us, doing things for us, doing things. But we, we cha-ching, 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 because I followed this lady right here. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147. Or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.